Previously on the Jay and Dan podcast. Mm-hmm. I like to sit on the stoop at 1.30 in the morning. Pet all the stray cats? Well, this is the thing. I yeah. sit there Ow. and I'm just on my phone. And I just like chill out for a few seconds. Here, kitty, kitty. Mm-hmm. Ruby? Hello. Hi, we're recording our podcast right now. Another call from the girls. Ruby, you want to sit and watch? I don't know if that's a good idea. Oh, we're guessing bands right now. I don't know, but what if I say something? Mm-hmm. But I gotta say, this incredible win by this incredible team, it was done with sportsmanship, mm-hmm. and that's what we celebrate. Oh, that one didn't land at all. Mm-hmm. Here comes the scalpel. Me cutty you. You're listening to the Jay and Dan podcast. Here, kitty, kitty. Dance. Dance. Hey, vacation watch. This is my last podcast uh, for a month. Wow. You going to miss it? Yeah. We were going to set up a... Didn't sound convincing. Studios at... Well, you know, I'll be bored out of my mind. Um, But we were going to set up studios at home and... No, we were never going to do that. You suggested that. (laughs) And I quickly shot that down. I don't want to do anything on my vacation, but sit in the nude on my stoop. Watch the kitty cats go by. But uh, I find it cathartic. Dear kitty kitty. <laughs> Get to talk about stuff. and. Uh... But you could still do it. Just uh, to yourself. On the road. You got a lot of plans, though. You are uh, renting an RV. Mm-hmm. You're taking the girls somewhere. We don't know where yet. Well, here's the issue with the RV. Because my daughters, um, the mosquitoes are like them. So if we went to Algonquin Park... I think anywhere right right yeah. now, right? You're, you're suffering from... So you know where we're going, and that accepts free RVs? Uh, Walmart? Walmart parking lot. Yeah, yeah. Walmart parking lot is uh, full of RVs all the time. So... Kind of fun. I'll Kids get can go map. inside. I'll say, I which am mall, so fired up. Which Walmart are we going to today? <laughs> That's actually kind of fun. Walmart to Walmart. You always... Uh, those have supplies inside, ready to go. Kids can go and play in the toy section for a f- little while. You don't buy anything. They just play there. I don't go in Walmarts. I haven't been in a Walmart in probably five years. Uh, they're, they're, still, they're still there. They're not, they've, they haven't changed. It's very depressing. They're waiting for you. Everyone's sad. No one's happy. And the lighting, I'm all about lighting. We've discussed this before. The lighting is abysmal. You, you feel like you're in a warehouse. I just hate it. I hate it. I hate it. Tell us how you really feel. But I do love Sobeys. Did I discuss my shopping experience at Sobeys? Uh, I, don't, I don't think so. Okay. No, I don't think so. So they have the self-checkouts at Sobeys. Do you use them? I do. I, I, I don't like make it a, I've got to do self-checkout. I just go with whatever. If it's yeah. really busy on the uh, main ones, cashier has too many people lined up, I'll dial up that uh, self-checkout. Otherwise, uh, I'm happy to chat with the cashier. Stuff. I use it all the time unless you have those items where you need to punch in the code yourself. Right. Like right, bread or whatever. Right. Yeah. So the Sobeys that I was at was lined up uh, at all the, the checkouts. So I saw the, uh, the self-checkout was uh, available. The lady's like, come on over. Use this. I'm like, okay. So I had four items. Uh, while I'm 
checking out, a gentleman walks behind me and says, Hobie, you lose your job. So I'm like, well, okay, that's weird. So I was finished checking out. I walked out right behind him. He turned around and saw me. He goes, hope a robot takes your job. And I said, uh, have a nice day with a big smile on my face. Looks at me and says, you're a f- bit aggressive for a Monday afternoon at a Sobeys? Yeah, that's a bit much. So then you kicked him right in the nuts. No, but he, he like was locked and loaded. He, first off, he never even bought anything. I should have pointed that out. I'm like, at least I bought something. At least I supported Sobeys. And a human helped me in the process. You didn't know how to use the self-checkout. No, I did. She was like, oh, how's your day going? And she's like, oh, yeah, you do this for this, whatever. I don't know what the hell the problem was. but Scan uh, barcodes. Mm-hmm. You know, that is aggressive. Do you think he was on the drugs? I don't know. He was, uh, he was a big, burly gentleman. Oh, was he? He's a big boy. So you don't want to get caught up in all that. No. So I, I'm now scarred. I, uh, was, you, I, 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 this has affected you more than a lot of things that probably should have affected you over the past for some reason. I think probably because it was broad daylight. You're minding your own business. You're trying to support a Canadian-owned grocery chain. They're offering the goddamn service of self-checkout. Um, yeah, what a weird thing to do. Do you think you had family who are, who are Sobeys cashiers who lost their jobs or something like that? I don't know, but anyway, I I used the uh, the humans last time. Now don't be afraid. Go right to that self checkout again, <laughs> and do it with your shirt off, <laughs> pants down, fully erect. What would your response of that to that gentleman be? I would have probably been more aggressive back, but then backpedaled if he started to approach me. <laughs> he would have because he stopped. He stopped yeah. walking when I said, "Have a nice day." Yeah. Yeah, I probably would have also told him to go f- himself, uh, thinking that in the light of day in a parking lot, I would probably be pretty safe. And then I would have got my uh, lights punched out. Then do you have to go after Sobeys? You say, hey, you provided this service and you got me beat up. It's possible. I certainly might have sued Sobeys. So in a way, I kind of hope that happens to me someday. So Sobeys, I'd like to get some Sobeys cash. If you want to do a customer service campaign on your self-checkouts, I'm your guy. I'll say, hey. I feel like Sobeys execs will hear this and be kind of uh, upset and probably approach you about appearing in their next commercials replacing Gord Miller and Cassie Campbell. I let a human know that this happened and they just went, uh, that works at that Sobeys. They just said, uh, huh. Yeah, I mean, what are they going to do, right? They should say, I feel horrible for you. Here's yep. a bunch of Sobeys bags for free. Yeah, but the robot might be taking their job next. That's true. They might also be upset about it. They're just not articulating it in such an aggressive manner. Imagine they responded, yeah, Yeah. so? We, we know that guy. <laughs> we tell him to come here. That's Jim. Yeah, but You know again, he was in a biker gang? Don't f*** with him. I didn't. That's the thing. I, I think he may He's have. got a knife. At all times. Hey, uh, Dan, can I read a couple of letters to you here? This oh, is pretty like exciting. Letters. We get letters. This one is actually a direct message uh, on Instagram. It says, Ooh. Hey, Jay, my partner and I are massive fans of yours and Dan. And we are considering making the trek up to Canada for one of your live podcasts. Good so, idea. assume they live in the United States. Would you be able to suggest which city we should go to as first-time tourists of your wonderful country? And perhaps suggest a couple of stops for us. We want to plan our travel around whatever cities 
UFC goes to around the world when we get enough money, this would be a near way to kick off our travels. If you choose to do this on the pod, my wife would love a shout out and by Dan too. Her name is Kat. Hi, Kat. Yo, Kat. She doesn't like my Dan. Wife. She doesn't like Dan too much. <laughs> I'm asking for it to be from Dan so she gets annoyed. Cat, what's the what's the problem here? My guess is Cat was the person who was upset at you at that Sobeys that day. But they don't live here, so they don't know Sobeys. Okay, so seriously, guys, uh, what do you think? What do you think? Where should they go? Here's my vote: Vancouver. Two reasons. Sales are slower. And number two, I believe the UFC is going to Vancouver this fall. Maybe there's a chance if they are UFC fans, they could do a little tie-in. I don't know. They might have to stay for a while, but... Uh, well, they just stick around for a couple of weeks. Yeah. Lots it's, to do there. cheap city. Yeah. Yeah. Not that expensive. Or go to the island. Get to go on a ferry. Yeah. Victoria is beautiful. I gotta my, be honest. I, I'm done with that ferry. I fly. My brother, time. My brother, Sean, calls it the loser cruiser. Yeah. I... I, hey, go on the ferry. No, go go on the ferry. But yeah. I just I'm done with it. I would rather fly. Okay, uh, that's one letter, and so hopefully that helps you out with a little bit of uh, information. We'd love to see you out in Vancouver, Victoria, and of course, just a reminder: eventbrite.ca for your Jay and Dad podcast live ticket needs. Come on, it'll be fun. Vancouver, Victoria, Winnipeg, Saskatoon, Edmonton, Calgary. We're hitting them this fall. Go check us out. Here's another one. It's from Northbound. Dear Jay and Dan, I'm so excited to send you guys some shirts. I've been watching the show for years now. I'm a huge fan. Your show is an essential part of the morning for Canadians like me. You keep us informed while making us laugh. Northbound is a brand that's inspired by all things Canadian. As far as I'm concerned, you guys are Canadian icons. I'm honored you'd wear the brand. Sincerely, Justin Peekert. He is the co-owner of Northbound Supply Company. So check them out. Northboundsupplyco.ca. The shirts are stellar. NorthboundSupplyCo.ca. So buttery soft. They're like Chardonnay. <laughs> Speaking of Chardonnay, mm-hmm. we had a great time Saturday in the first ever Jay and Dan television show outing. We went to the uh, Argos home opener. Yeah, they lost by 80 points. They put up a pretty impressive <laughs> performance against Hamilton, losing by 50. It was uh, weather speaking, temperature speaking, the most perfect weather you could possibly draw. It was gorgeous. Yep. It was There was no awesome. humidity. It was not a humid day that where you need three showers. It was stunning. And that's often the problem with Toronto. You know, you get nice days, but but it does get humid, but not this past weekend. So we did that. And then we when the game was over, we wandered over to the Bud stage, mm-hmm. which is just kind of uh, right there, basically. And we went to see Arkells greatest guys uh hooked us up with beautiful seats for the show so just want to give a quick shout out to max and mike and tim and all the arkells and ashley their manager who's super sweet and she hooked us up with these great tickets and uh and then nick nurse got on stage and was playing guitar and that was definitely your favorite part of the night it was um i loved seeing that and also just the reaction of the crowd to Nick Nurse was bonkers. Oh, they went crazy. It was unbelievable. Cameraman Glenn was with us. Hound Dog was with it. Pro- producer Tim, not with us. So producer Tim, I think we might have discussed this last week, did not have alternate plans, did not have anything to do. His vacation had started. So his excuse was, I'm, all, I'm on vacation, so I'm on vacation. Like, I'm going. I'm, and I said, do you, are you doing anything? 
And he said, no, he didn't have any plans. He had zero plans. This was a plan set in stone that he had to do nothing. He just had to show up. How insulted should we be? We've been doing the show with him for years and years. And this is the first time of this new version of the show that we've been able to take everybody out. And we just had such a good time. It was a total team bonding experience. That's right. We had some wings in the suite. We had nachos that I didn't see. Uh, we had some wraps. We had uh, popcorn. We had pretzels. And we just had a great time. We drank. We socialized. Just, you just don't get a chance to do it that much when you're working these uh, shows at night. So it was just a fun experience. And Tim wanted no part of fun. Now, I know you're saying to yourself, isn't that kind of part of Tim's MO? Wanting no part of fun? But it's kind of disturbing that yeah. he had nothing else to do. And he said, even though I have nothing else to do, I'd rather not do that. So our new Supreme Leader is G-Bone. Greg Manetta, he is producing shows this week. He showed up. He took the uh, the reins, and now we follow him. And very exciting, Dan, because today, speaking of great TSNers, we have an amazing guest on the podcast today. Oh, Stoff, can you poke your head out and send him in? Thanks, buddy. Jim Van Horn. This is incredible. I just met him for the first time. He was waiting to come in. You've met Jim before. And worked with him. So we're going to talk about this a little bit. And uh, Jim is here to talk about a very important subject. Here he comes. Looks like a million bucks. Oh, he does. Looks like a million bucks. Jim, you're right in the middle here. There are the cans. The rose between two thorns. uh, Yeah, I know, right? (laughs) Did... How bad are those headphones? I apologize. That's not... They're okay? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, listen to that voice. Yeah. (laughs) Do you... uh, When you put on a pair of headphones like that in front of a mic, does it feel like like you're starting in radio back in the day? Yeah, yeah, it does. It's it's great. It's it's terrific. I still still love radio. I always did love radio. It was just, you know, one of those things that... uh, The great thing I loved about radio was the anonymity. Right. You'd get off the air, you'd walk out of the studio, and nobody knew who you were. Right. But what, So when you were uh, in the TSN days, and you're doing Sports Desk, and it's the early days of cable, and everybody's watching, and people knew you and recognized you, did you not enjoy that as much? It was For me, it was uncomfortable. It's, it was always uncomfortable. I'm a, I'm a pretty private guy by nature, uh, so it, it was tough. But interesting, when you, when you mentioned TSN and the people that knew you, the first couple of weeks on the air when, when TSN just started back in September of 84, we'd go out to press conferences, and we always had to wear the TSN black oh, yeah. blazer right. with the logo and, and walk in, and I'd walk in, and guys would look at me and say, what the hell is TSN? <laughs> <laughs> What what did you expect when you first arrived at TSN when they they pitched you the idea? Well, interestingly enough, Dan, when I was in Calgary at the time at uh, at CFAC Television, which is now global, um, and I knew the people that were putting together TSN that were and I'd been bugging them for months for a job, right? Because I really I honestly believed that TSN would be what it is today. It was just it was just one of those things like a gut feeling, right? And people would laugh at me. You know, how are they going to do 24 hour sports? What are you going to show tiddlywings every day? <laughs> yeah. So I really believed back then in 84 that it was going to be successful. And uh, when I left, people just couldn't believe that I would walk away from the job that I had in Calgary and actually take a pay cut to go to TSN in Toronto. Are you nuts? And why did you have that? That doesn't seem right that you'd have to take a pay cut. But it was like the early days. They're just getting started. They're. They were taking a chance on everything, right? They, were, <laughs> they had they were, no money. They had their. They were using their own money, right? Yeah, to they start were. It up. Yeah. yeah, yeah. 
and and it was they took a real risk and obviously that paid off in the end for well them. one one of the things that uh, that I asked was that they pay for my at least pay for my move from Calgary and they said no wow <laughs> I said well you don't I'm sorry if you don't pay for my move I'm not coming so they said we'll give you five thousand dollars for the move and I had a massive yard sale oh my and God. just got it down and out you came out you came and so those early days um, what were they like it was it was you there's some well known names that came with you uh, Michael Landsberg that was I believe his yep. first broadcasting job. Absolutely. Period, right? Absolutely. There was John Wells, myself, Michael Landsberg, Terry Leibel. Right. Uh, there were those, the four of us were the four main anchors, for lack of a better term. And then Steve Cooney, a former CBC alumni, and Peter Watts, right. also from, Peter from Watts, Edmonton. Legend. Yeah, the late, great Peter Watts, yeah. who just passed away recently. Uh, and uh, Wonderful man. Yeah. So just, those are the six guys. Yeah. And Wattsy and, uh, and uh, Cooney were reporters and weekend anchors. And, wow. produ- and we were producers at the time as well. Right. We'd produce the shows. Wow, really? Yeah, oh yeah. We put the lineups together, write the, write the script. And was and it like, you, you mentioned, like, what are they going to put on Tiddlywinks? Like, was it a, a situation where you start, and there's a blank slate? Like, <laughs> was well, there was enough the, yeah. material for you to put a show together? They, they, actually, TSN made its own material back then. I mean, they, they, there was uh, uh, What's Your Call with, uh, with Pat Marsden. Right. Um, they had the soccer show with Dale Barnes. Uh, all Graham kinds of Leggett, I remember. Gra- Graham was Leggett was, was, yeah. was a mainstay. We, had, uh, we started the hockey news, you know, back then. I would host the early edition of Sports Desk, which is now Sports Center, mm-hmm. run into the studio, do the hockey news, and then stay in the second studio and host the hockey games that night. Wow. So I get on the air at 6 o'clock. I wouldn't, leave the, I wouldn't get off the air until 11 o'clock that night. That's what we were doing. That's what everybody was doing. And when did... Did you guys have the Blue Jays right away, like right at the beginning? First, I think, I think the Blue Jays was the first program, the first event that we showed, followed wow. by the Canada Cup. Wow. Wow. Yeah. And, <laughs> I host, and I hosted that Canada Cup game with uh, Bruce Hood and Roger Nielsen. Wow. Both of And Roger used to bring Mike, his husky, into the studio. And the first game we're on the air, Roger's sitting where you are, Dan, to my right. And Mike walks across, and all you can see is his tail <laughs> going across the set. Who's and Roger couldn't dog. figure out what everybody was laughing at. So when TSN starts, I should know this answer, but I don't. So we went down to the States. When Fox started, Fox Sports 1, they took over a channel that already existed, Speed. So you had built-in viewers. Right. When TSN starts, where do those original viewers come from? No idea. With advertising, they started advertising, and uh, yeah, you know, word of mouth. Add it to your cable package, yeah. I guess. And, and, and it yeah. became. Uh, I'm not sure if it was mandatory pickup that at that time, right? But I'm not sure uh, it became part of the cable package, and people started watching. And next thing you know, you know, audiences started growing and getting bigger, bigger, bigger. When we first started, you'd walk in and they say, "Okay, what do you want to do? Basketball? You want to do baseball? That's you want to so do awesome. hockey? Whatever? You know, now, yeah, it's now everyone's fighting for those things. Exactly, Dan's fighting with Kate Burness to do Women's World Cup. <laughs> Kate wins. Um, so then you end up on the... I, You know, a lot of us know you from that 6.30 sports desk. It was such a great show. And when I was lucky enough to get an internship in 1996, I was going to Ryerson, and I got an internship at TSN. And my first day, I walked in to work on the 6.30 show, and it's you and Mark Millier, who's, who's running the network here up until a couple of months ago, Sitting next to each other, and uh, was I nice to you? Well, you were, but you were very, uh, you were very quiet. You know, you were very into uh, into what you were doing. Mark was completely silent. Oh yeah, <laughs> uh, like I remember walking up to him and and just standing next to him and and him staring straight at his computer, and not 
just pretending I wasn't there. Mm-hmm. And that happened over and over and over, you know. And then later he'd be like, "Where are you? What's going on? Why haven't you said hi?" We like, worked together for seventeen years. I think he spoke to me once. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it was such a fascinating uh, show because he was the kind of producer who um, you'd be working and, and back then everything was on beta tapes. You know, it wasn't digital, obviously. And so the beta tapes would be lined up on a little table next to where, where Jim and Mark sat. And they all had little post-it notes saying, you know, Blue Jays, Orioles or, yeah. or Oilers, Leafs, all the, all the things that were going to end up on those tapes. And no computers. And, right. No right. computers. At the beginning. Yeah. And, and then, Makes sense. And then, you know, all these tapes would be there. Lots of producers, you know, early in the in the shift, they'd hand out those tapes, assign these things. It'd be six o'clock. The show's on air at six thirty, and ninety percent of the tapes would still be there unassigned. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, Mark would jump up, you know, with a start, and just be like, "All right, here we go," and throwing them out, and it was mass <laughs> panic for twenty eight minutes. Yeah. And somehow we always got to air. I it don't know how ca- we did. It was it. it was organized chaos. <laughs> yeah. And it was it was fabulous. It was just those first couple of years at TSN were just unbelievably. It was like the Wild West. Yeah, very much so. And our first Christmas party, <laughs> oh, baby, it was fabulous. It was, it was. It, there were great times. And so you, you're at Sports Desk for a while. Then I, I remember this well. I think it was around '99. The team launches. This is the national sports radio channel that they they try to launch. They approach you. How did first of all? How did they approach you? How did this come about? They called me out of the blue. Funny, interestingly enough, uh, I'd come home from work one day. And my wife looked at me, she said, what's wrong? I said, you know what? I am bored stiff. I need a change. I've got to do something different. She said, what are you going to do? I said, I have no idea. All I've ever done is this. Yeah. And uh, all of a sudden, the team approached me, and uh, Paul Williams called me up and said, would you be interested? And I, I balked at first, and then they started talking dollars, and I thought... Oh, <laughs> okay. Now you've it got my works. attention. Maybe it's time yeah. for a change. And uh, one thing led to another. I met uh, with uh, Jim Waters, who was the the manager and the owning family of of Chum. Right. And uh, I ended up going over there. And you had a history with Chum before. Yeah, I was TSM. a disc jockey there for eight years. Yeah. So. And who was on that show with you again? Uh, the original show was myself and Stephen Brunt. Stephen Brunt, okay. Yeah. Paul Romanek was the morning guy. Yeah, that's right. Mike Romanek Richards was there. Yeah. And then uh, uh, Gene Valaitis had his show. Gene and then Valaitis. they had, uh, wow. I think they had an afternoon with uh, Jim Rome. Right. And then Yes, I they came, did. They did, yeah. Jim. You're right. And yep. then I came on with Brunt for three hours, uh, afternoon drive, and uh, got slaughtered by well, what's his face? And and here's what's <laughs> so I I love to talk about this because not because I, I you know it, whether it was a good experience or bad experience for you the thing that I find fascinating about it was those names you just mentioned including yourself I mean these are incredible broadcasters they couldn't have done much more to set the station up I mean it looked it looked like a winner right yeah. off the right off the start Stephen Brunton was the smartest man I ever met scary smart yeah i mean he was so i just i would sit there in awe of the things that he would come up with and uh it it was we were only on the air for 16 months before they pulled the plug right it was the hardest job i'd ever done in my life wow it was because you're always thinking about who are you going to get who's going to be the guest what are you going to talk about what's your topic what's the big news even more than more difficult than television yeah, it was really, really tough. And you're filling more time. Oh yeah, and, and you have to be able to be a you have to be a storyteller. You but have I think to be the, able to talk. But don't you think, Jim, the real disadvantage, or the thing that we struggle with even to this day on the show, is making an entire country happy as opposed to almost just a impossible. single market. It is you almost impossible. It's you just can't. You, you know the things that people in Regina want to talk about. Probably the riders 
are not the things people yeah. in Toronto want to talk about. And it's just so, we like every day, we struggle with it. Well, to this day, I mean, you look at TSN, and how many people say Toronto Sports Network? Everyone. It happens <laughs> every We embrace day. it now. We, uh, we make fun of it because people are shocked if we don't mention the Leafs in a show. Yeah. Yeah. Because it is Canada's biggest market. Yeah. We do have to remind people that. So. But it doesn't make it any better if you're living. <laughs> yes, like I remember I, I was exactly. living in Winnipeg at the time and, and listening to you and I loved it. But yeah, I just knew like it was, this is going to be a tough thing. And then the actual pulling of the plug I heard was like a, like very abrupt. They, they, they called a meeting. <laughs> That's that never good. We want everybody in the, stu- in the, in the boardroom uh, for, for uh, 12 o'clock. Seven security guards walk in. Oh, oh my boy. God. <laughs> and line the walls. Oh my God. Everybody's standing there, and they know the guillotine is going to drop. Yeah. Jim Waters walks in, literally says, thank you for your service for the last 16 months. If you, We are going back to music at 3 o'clock this afternoon. If, you're the last name, if your last name starts from A to M to the office to the right, from N to Z to the office to the left, oh thank God. you very much. Good luck. He turned around and walked out. Wow. So does everyone from that room then all congregate outside and then try to decipher what the hell went on, or you just go your separate I, I was against, I literally slid down the wall and wow. sat down on the floor. I couldn't, I thought, now what? Yeah, you know, first time in my life in I think thirty or forty years I've ever been unemployed, right. and I was devastated. Some people went crazy. Some people started yelling and screaming, wow. and uh, others just stood there in stunned silence. I just I literally walked out, grabbed what I could out of my office, and went home. And then a couple of days later, everything that I had left behind was packaged up. And, and should they home. have gone with a longer leash, more than sixteen months, or was that the right call? Well, I, honestly, oh, jeez. Woulda, shoulda, coulda. I honestly, Dan, I don't know. Um, we were getting killed. I mean, the fan was was just McCowan was just too strong, and uh, and I told him when I started, I said, if you're looking for a second McCowan, you're not going to get it from me. Right. I, said, I am not that kind of guy. I'm not that kind of broadcaster. Mm-hmm. Should it? I think it should have been given a better chance, but I mean, I'm not management. I don't right. Know. And then, uh, what, so what happens after that? What, what happens? I took my first summer vacation. Nice. I took the whole summer off. I played 128 rounds of golf. That's and, good. Uh, and then uh, Sportsnet came to call. Yeah. And Scott Moore at Sportsnet, a guy who I'd mentored here at TSN. He was at TSN for a long time while you yeah. had been at TSN. He was one, one of the original producers that we had. Uh, running the show over there. He says, come over, do the 6 o'clock show with Jody, I believe. Yep. Yeah. And so how was how that experience? Because you're, you're at a different, you're almost at a startup again in a way. Like, yeah, well, it's, it, they had pretty well established themselves at the time. But but back then, they were so wrapped up with what TSN was doing. And instead of acting, they would react. Right. You know, oh, TSN's doing this. Let's do this. Yeah. If they ever took a highlight package for their, for their news show, they would never use the TSN uh, commentator. They would always use somebody else. Right. You know, they, they refused to. And, and I think it really hurt them in the long run. Instead of making their own niche... They copied what or tried to react to what TSN was doing, and then when Scott came in and took over, he started changing the uh, the culture of the place, and it, and it, it, obviously it really worked. You know, cause and, they, and they then, do a pretty good job. And then I remember they did the uh, even the clothing. They tried the casual uh, clothing yes. for a while. Yeah, yeah, no, that was before no I was there. Yeah. yeah, yeah, the old no ties. I remember Brad Fay and. Uh, some pretty bad jeans. <laughs> Still haunts me to this day, Jim. Still haunts me to this day. And I lasted three years, and they told me I was too old. Goodbye. That's, see, and that's, again, is it abrupt? Are they coming up to you like, 
immediately oh, she, she was just, just like over. That. Yeah. And Scott does that? Like Scott? No, Scott had already left. Oh, for CBC. Yeah, he had already right. gone to CBC. And then uh, whoever, I can't remember. I don't, there was actually some don't want to mention years. the name. Well, there, there, in between Scott and then Scott came back, there were some, str- let's just say, challenging times, I think, over there. Yeah, People absolutely. who worked there would, would agree with that. It was yep. kind of tough. It was. You end up, um, this is fascinating, at the College of Sports Media. Mm-hmm. So... I suppose I should get you to explain a little bit about what that was or is because it's still thriving. Yeah, CSM is, is actually thriving. It's a, it's a broadcast school that concentrates mainly on sports. Um, I was the, the, for the first while that I was there, I was in charge of the writing course for television and the on-air presentation course for television. So one day I would teach writing, next day I would teach presentation. And um, uh, I worked with first-year students, did the writing and the presentation on Tuesday, Wednesday. And then the second year students that I worked with, they did shows Tuesday and Wednesday. So every week I would come up with a week schedule and uh, they would, I would assign producer, director, host, reporters and all the rest. And um, I taught them how to do shows. Simple. It's as simple as that. And do you and it, like it? Do you enjoy that? I loved it. Mm-hmm. First year, I did, when, when David Lannis approached me and said, you know, can you do this? Actually, I approached him and he said, can you do this? I said, you know what? I'll give you a year. If, if I like it after a year, I'll stay. If not, no harm, no foul. He said, right. perfect. That's all I want. I said, but, I said, I'm only working four days a week. Yes. <laughs> nice. I want a long weekend every yes. day. We should okay. have you negotiate our deal here, Jim. <laughs> <laughs> now, can you, can you give us some tips? Because Jay and I are not good broadcasters. Mm, stay at a bars at night. <laughs> we, we have to because we're here. <laughs> that actually has probably given us a little more career longevity just working at night. You guys, you guys don't need tips. You've got your own thing going, and I, I admire what you do. I think you guys do a great job. Well, we were talking before you came out here um, that we, our philosophy and what you've said to students is, you know, uh, do you know, like I did, go to a smaller market, learn on the fly, learn in a place that'll allow you to do more things than you'd be able to do in Toronto. Now, and Dan and I talk about this all the time. I have a hard time even even saying that to young people in broadcasting because there are less and less places to go to. That's very true. To do things. It's it's it's. I find it really frustrating, especially when you've got kids who are as devoted and as passionate about being in the industry as as they are, and and you know the the opportunities are diminishing left you know hand over fist. So how do you remain positive with those, oh those boy. people? It's it, you know because you don't want to say, oh yeah, go chase your dream, and then know that that dream might not be able to. Well, the the approach that I took when I was teaching was the first thing I said to the students was, you are about to have the best two years of your life. You are going on a ride, and if you work hard chances are you're going to do really, really well. You're going into an industry that is very challenging. It's very demanding. It's not easy. It's not as easy as you think it is. Just because you have an encyclopedic mind for sports doesn't mean that you can talk about sports. Right. Or you can show sports. So it's up to you to work as hard as you can, to be as good as you can be every single day. And if you can't, go home. I was, I was brutally honest with the kids. That's one thing that I don't think any student would ever accuse me of uh, gilding the lily when it came to, uh, to yeah. their prospects. Did yeah. anyone go home? <laughs> couple. Yeah. Really? Yeah, a couple did. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I guess so. But what's great is and we've got lots of people on our staff that you taught. And so now to this new generation of broadcasters, you're known as a teacher to them. And I got to say across the board, and I'm not just saying this, they all absolutely loved you. I, 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 think, so it seems too, like I think they're too afraid to say anything. <laughs> they <else>. might be. <laughs> but I feel like maybe 
it's kind of neat because you said, well, I, I, you know, I did the Tuesday, Wednesday, and then I did the scheduling. Like you're almost again, you went through all these stages in your career where you're making things up in a way on the fly, just based on your instinct. Absolutely. Right? It was, well, I came up with the course, the yeah. syllabus, and, and all the rest. And uh, the the most gratification that I received time and time again over ten years that I taught was parents coming up to me at graduation and saying, you know what. When Jay came to you, he was a boy. Now he's a man. Or when, when Julie came to me, she was a little girl. Now she's a grown woman. You've really helped them develop. You've mentored them the proper way. And that, to me, that used to bring tears to my eyes. I was so honored that somebody would say something like that to mm-hmm. me. You know, after you know, sharing what I, the, the, the experiences that I had with these kids and hoping that they would go on and, and have the opportunity to have those experiences as well. But that, that, to me, was the reward. And to see, you know, guys like, I don't know, um, Faisal Kamisa at Sportsnet, um, Sarita Patel, who was uh, working here, who's yeah, now she's gone to working for us. John. She's mm-hmm. gone on, and, and she's going to be back really quick and be you on know, TSN. Just really to quick. see that, and, and kids that have gone on to, you know, to success, whether it be in front of the camera or behind the camera or in radio, and there are a lot of them, you know, that's, that really does my heart good. You could say the same thing about Rod Smith. You must have kind of mentored him because uh, he took over. That uh, that desk for me. That's right, Rod. Rod was actually at CBC Radio Sports as a reporter, and when he came over as a, what we used to call a flugan, which is a, a story editor, um, we used to call him flugans. Back then. <laughs> I think you were a flugan. Well, I, I was. Uh, were you? Post-flugan? I was an EA, so uh, I, n- I never even made it to story editor, Jim. I was. <laughs> I got out while the getting was good. Every, anybody Before who, they could figure it out. Yeah, anybody who did highlights was a flugan. You know, so Rod was a flugan. Lot, yeah. Rod was a flugan. And uh, when, they, when, when I announced that I was leaving, they said to me, who do you think should take the job? I said, hands down, Rod Smith. Yeah. He's the guy. Yeah. And uh, he's been doing it, what, A long since. time. Well, yeah. he, a voice handed it off to a voice because your guys' voices are so... I'm like a soprano compared <laughs> to this guy. Yeah. <laughs> I mean... And then you, you teach at College of Sports Media. You're doing so great there. And then, uh, I believe, 2015, something happens to you. And that's one of the reasons you're here to talk to us today. Um, pretty frightening. Cancer, yes. Yeah. It was... Uh, I woke up one morning. It was in December... Uh, 10 years ago it'll be 11 years ago this December I woke up went to the washroom looked down and saw a bottle of ketchup had been emptied in the toilet bowl and I was terrified it was filled with blood and I immediately went to my wife I said Mel I'm going to the hospital Uh, something's wrong and I went on my own and they uh, quickly did an MRI they said we have found a fleshy mass in your bladder uh, we we want a urologist to take a look at it. Turned out that it was cancer, um, and they did a cystoscopy and found four massive tumors in my bladder, which I had no idea. I had no previous knowledge. No symptoms, pain. Nothing. No symptoms. Wow. No burning. No pain. Wow. No nothing. And all of a sudden, I go in there as a healthy man and walk out with you know these four tumors in my bladder. And the interesting thing was that the, the resident who was operating the camera, you know, he's, and if you look at the palm of your hand, that's what your, the inside of your bladder looks like. You know, it's, it's fleshy, it's clear, and all the rest. He's panning from right to left with this camera, and I'm watching it. I can see it on the TV screen in big high HD. 
and he's moving the camera along. I says, you know, Doc, I said, you should come to my school. I can give you a camera lesson. I said, your, your camera work is really shaky. <laughs> Mr. Van Horn, this is a serious examination, please. And then all well, of a sudden it goes black. Wow. With the, with the tumors. So um, your, what's your initial thought? When- my initial thought was... Uh, when does it come out? He's, oh, I have to take him out as soon as possible. I said, well, when do you find out if it's malignant? He's, oh, it's malignant. You got cancer. Wow. That's exactly the way he said it. Uh-huh. As I'm lying on the table with my legs at 90 degrees, and he's, you know, looking inside my I thought, holy smokes. So did they just keep you there and just no, do it that no, day? No, they sent me home two weeks later. They brought me back for the first, what they called, uh, it's called a terped, uh, a scraping of your bladder. They literally go in with a branding iron a red hot iron and they cut out the uh, oh, the tumors wow. and uh, send you home and everything successful well they remove the tumors at the time it takes mm-hmm. six weeks to heal and then you start your treatment which is a, 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 a thing called bcg it's actually a live tuberculin virus that is injected into the bladder through a catheter you hold it for two hours if you can and then you void it and you have that every week for six weeks and that is supposed to be the gold standard treatment for bladder cancer. And over eight years, I probably had it 20 times, and it never worked. And then at the end, after eight years, I tried a, a radical treatment, a form of chemo with a drug called mitomycin, which I think is $800 a vial. And you get it, it's like a penicillin bottle. And they inject it in again. You lie there for two hours with it, and then they take it out. And uh, it was supposed to be a new radical treatment that wasn't covered by OHIP, cost me an arm and a leg, and it didn't work. Hmm. So at that point, um, he, the, my oncologist, Dr. Alexander Zlata from uh, Mount Sinai, who was my lifesaver, um, he said, uh, we can continue to do this for as long as you want. He said, but eventually you're going to have to think about surgery because if it ever breaks through the wall, you're done. Mm-hmm. It, it's, you know, it, anything can happen. I said, okay. So I went for another year. And uh, after eight years, I started to hemorrhage and really bleed a lot. And he said, you know what? You got to have the conversation. It's time. I said, okay. So we decided on surgery. It was scheduled for two years ago this past March. Uh, I went in. <laughs> the day of my surgery, I went in. I was prepped and cleaned and on the table. I was scheduled for 8 o'clock. At quarter to 8, they came to me and said, we have a, an emergency. We're postponing your surgery oh for gosh. two weeks. Oh, my Come God. Come on. Oh. So <laughs> I can't I went, even imagine. I went through the whole thing, the whole preparation treatment again. Next time I came back, the last thing he said to me before I went in, he said, be prepared for the worst two months of your life. Wow. And he was right. Uh, nine and a half hours on the table. Uh, they removed my bladder, my prostate, all the lymph nodes, a portion of the colon, and they took the colon, which was about six inches long, and they rebuilt my bladder. It's called now called a neobladder. They uh, and then they reattach all the nerves. Wow! To the oh to the bladder God. itself. Great. So it's, it's nine and a half hours. Wow! And uh, I woke up. I, he's, if, if you ever been under anesthetic. Like a general? Yeah. yeah. You sort of, okay, you count back from 100. Yeah. 199. And you're out. And you're out. And you wake up. <laughs> no. You don't know where the hell exactly. you are, what day it is. Yeah. You know, and uh, I was in hospital for two weeks and another five months after that before I could start feeling that I was semi-normal. Wow. Was there pain oh, right after? It like was excruciating. excruciating. Wow. I had so tubes. he was correct on the two months. Oh, yeah. It was two weeks after surgery. I wondered why the hell I ever did this. It wow. was really, really bad. Wow. And um, But 
I suffered through it. And once they took everything out of me, all the tubing and the catheters, and I mean, I had, I was black from bruises. Yeah. And once they got rid of all that stuff, I started to heal pretty quickly. And uh, I came through it okay, and here I am. And how, yeah, how are, how are you today? Like- two, two and a half years, and uh, it was two months ago my doctor said to me, he said, Jim, he said, I think it's time you started to get used to the idea that your bladder cancer is not coming back. Wow. That's awesome. Amazing. And That's he fantastic. said, bladder cancer is not coming back. Right, right. <laughs> we can't yeah. talk about anything else. Yeah. But yeah. As, as of right now, I mean, they don't say for sure for five years that you're clear, or that you're cured, but uh, he's, he's pretty confident that I'm okay. Well, congratulations. Incredible. That's Thanks. a... I, didn't know where the, the story was headed, but I'm glad that uh, it's there got will us here. be a sequel. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and the campaign, uh, the lemons that you guys brought in. Tell us a little bit it's about a that. Hashtag sour face selfie. We encourage folks to uh, quarter a lemon, suck on the lemon, and get your reaction. Take a picture right. and post it online. It's for uh, Bladder Cancer Canada, just to raise awareness about bladder cancer. It is uh, the sixth leading cancer, or the fifth leading cancer in the country, fourth leader among men, tenth among women. 90,000 people have it, and 9,000 people will be uh, diagnosed with it. And it is the least funded cancer of them all, and the most expensive to treat. Right. On average, $250,000 per year wow. per patient to treat now do the math yeah oh yeah. it's 10 years for me unbelievable so are there yeah. any things to, to watch for looking back did your doctor say well you should have noticed it here or is when you have blood in your urine is that the telltale sound is well the only obviously sign? if 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 you're a guy you can be as macho as you want to be but if you see blood in your urine you're stupid if you don't go somewhere. oh yeah, yeah. it's just you're just looking for trouble and a lot of guys are like that yeah. I'll just wait. I'll wait a couple of days. Yeah, it'll go away. It's just it's nothing. So if there's any kind of burning sensation as you're as you're urinating, any kind of pain that you feel like cramping or anything, and the big one is blood. Yeah. If you see blood, call your doctor. All right. It's critical. Yeah, absolutely. But like you said, these not to say that certain cancers should get more money than others, but it's great to raise awareness this way because otherwise, how are how are we going to raise more money for bladder cancer? Well, people don't know about it. A lot of people don't know about bladder yeah. cancer. This is the yeah. first I've ever discussed it in my life. You know, yeah. the, the, when I was telling people I've got cancer, well, what kind of bladder cancer? Really? Yeah. What? Yeah. You know? Yeah, we're like, used to prostate cancer. We're used to a lot of that in men. Obviously. Liver, brain, yeah. lung, yeah. whatever. Yeah. You know, but uh, it's, oh, it's not pretty. And, no. I, th- I think a lot, or the reason a lot of people don't talk about it is because it's down there. Yeah, you know, it's yeah. it's like in the private. You know, yeah, we don't talk about the private there. Yeah. Because, you know, well, Dan and I do a lot. Well, I understand. That. <laughs> I've I've heard that. <laughs> so um, um, now we're gonna have you come over to do the TV show with us. Right. Yeah, I think we're gonna do some lemons over there. Yeah, we're gonna do the lemons over there, and and then uh, you're gonna good. give us um, on the TV show all the dirt about guys you used to work with like rod smith and michael landsberg and do we have anyone else we're gonna get the oh yeah on? we're gonna get everybody uh chris seedens chris uh, seedens <laughs> actually i don't think we have chris seedens but i oh my I, goodness that's a name i i wow. just wanted to pull out and see what how you reacted because <laughs> there's so many guys like chris you know i remember growing up watching chris and then it's so fascinating because you i think for a lot of kids who watch us Maybe they they watch us on TV and then they come to work with us or they're taught by you and they wonder what we're really like. And Chris was a real fascinating guy when I finally got to I, One story about Chris Edens. He's sitting on the set and he's got his uh, coffee mug sitting there. And Ron Andrews was producing the show. Bless his heart. He's long, long gone past. 
and he hits the talk back to talk to Chris. He says, Chris, get your coffee mug off the desk. <laughs> and Seedon says, Bob Costas has his mug on his desk. <laughs> and Ron, the producer, comes back and says, you're not Bob Costas. <laughs> When I got to TSN, by the way, Ron was our archivist, and uh, he was such a great man. Oh, yeah. He was the original statistician for the NHL. Wow. And he used to write every statistic out by hand. Oh, my God. He had Old these school. massive volumes that he would write penalty minutes, everything, shots, like shots Steve on Steve Dryden. Who I was just going to say, now. Steve Dryden's still doing that, by You're the way, kidding. Jim. He, yeah. he has his, his pencils and his notebooks, and they're kind of famous around here. Wow. Now. I don't know and what he does with Last them. question before we wrap up. Do you have any of the TSN Blazers still? Actually, I have the, I have a TSN Blazer in the Hockey Hall of Fame. Wow. No way. It is. My that Blazers is so in the cool. Hockey Hall of Fame. Wow. And the other one is at, uh, at uh, uh, College of Sports Media at CSM in the Jim Van Horn Lounge. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it should feel pretty good. <laughs> if you're going to get something named after you, let it be a lounge. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Jim, this is awesome having you on the Thanks podcast. So much. I really appreciate you taking the time. And uh, yeah, we'll should I, should I send over. the check in now or? Ah, uh, sure. By the way, I'm writing a book. Are you? Oh, oh. Tell us if you know a publisher. Yeah, who's interested I Interested in my story. It's a yeah. fascinating story. Yeah, he does. Uh, He's put out. Two I, books. I have a couple, and uh, I can help you with that. I think that would be amazing. I, actually. I knew you'd come through. <laughs> I knew you'd come through. Jim Van Horn, pleasure to have him on the podcast. Um, Dan, this is uh, it for you for many weeks. Dan's going on vacation, Jim. So uh, if you want to come in and fill in, going out on RV pretty with fun. my daughters. Yeah. Um, so yeah, if you want to fill in, hopefully I'll win the lottery when I'm away, and then uh, just buy that RV and just keep driving. Wow, I've always wanted to do that. Hey, you can come. <laughs> I need all a these things gonna be oh, no. just not going to have all, enough time for all these things we have for him. Imagine that. Beautiful. Cut to next week. Me and Jim riding in an Heading RV down the highway to Algonquin Park. Dan's daughter is in the back. <laughs> Who is this man Uncle with us? Uncle Jim. I was, I was watching uh, on Netflix the Rolling Thunder review. Oh, the, the Bob, Bob Dylan, Dylan document. Oh, yeah. yeah. Just be, there we go. There it is. Perfect. <laughs> That's the new Rolling hey, Thunder review. The room. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Jim. Thank you. Uh, that's it, Dan. Uh, have a great vacation. Thank you. Oh, I think Christoph has something special for you here. It's gonna be a. It's gonna be sad. Will you yeah, thanks, Doc. I'm sure. I'm sure you'll be back. Yeah, I'll be back. Make sure you get your tickets for the tour. Thanks, everyone. They're going home.
This is the Jay and Dan Podcast.